But today we're going through this series called The Essentials of the Faith. We actually have only a couple more left. And I want to just thank you guys who have been doing the quizzes. It's been so amazing to see uh, the response. If you haven't yet done the quizzes and you're involved in ministry, uh, I would encourage you to uh, get to it because eventually we want everyone who's involved in ministry to do these uh, quizzes because, uh, again, like I said, um, a lot of the people involved in ministry are getting some of these answers wrong. And so we want to make sure that you guys know the doctrine of you know, the Bible, the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, uh, what the gospel is. And, uh, and so we'll continue through this. And so I want to encourage you guys, if you have any questions, you can talk to me afterwards and I'll show you how to, how to do those quizzes. But, but part of it is rooted in, and actually what we read here in 2 Corinthians 11 Look what it says in verse 3. As Paul's writing to the Corinthian church, he says, But I fear, lest somehow, as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he who comes preaches another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if you receive a different spirit, which you have not received, or a different gospel, which you have not accepted, you may well put up with it. And so Paul's writing in the Corinthian church, and he has a concern for the church that if somebody comes along and they preach a different doctrine, it's a, you know the Jesus that was created, or the Jesus that's Michael the archangel, or the Jesus that's you know, not coming, uh, you know, in the flesh, like Gnosticism or something weird. He says, uh, if they preach a different spirit, you know, and sometimes you got these churches, they're weird. You know, they, they the Holy Spirit, like there's no, you know, fruit of the spirit and the self-control. Things are not done decently and in order. Or a lot of people refer to the Holy Spirit as an it. And it really, it grieves me when I hear that. no. The Holy Spirit is not an it. He, he's a he. He's a person. And so if someone comes and preaches a different Jesus or a different spirit or a different gospel and they tell you you have to be like baptized to be saved or some type of works or sacraments or whatever it might be and you think the Catholic Church is okay, um, you know, and although they're teaching a different gospel, Paul, Paul here is writing, he says, you might put up with it. I'm afraid for that. And so this is really the heart behind this series. I and mean, we have to know who God is. We have to know who our Father is and who Jesus is and who the Holy Spirit is. Because the Holy Spirit is so important. You know, some of you guys here, um, I, I pray that tonight you'd walk away completely different because not only is the Holy Spirit called to live inside of you, He's called to empower you. It's kind of like a glove. You know, you, you use the gloves to do different things, um, you know, and so the glove is lifeless. It's lifeless. That's us before we're saved. But then you put the hand inside the glove, and that's when we get saved. That's God coming into our life. But then if you can visualize now this glove, and, you know, it's God inside of you, and now let's put another hand on that glove, and that's when the Holy Spirit comes and gives you power. And we need this understanding of who the Holy Spirit is because 
Uh, otherwise, we're going to walk around uh, without power. I can honestly say that's why. That's how I don't throw out F-bombs anymore. I used to say that word all the time. All the cussing, all the drinking, all the drugs, all the stuff that the world has to offer. I was weak without the power, uh, the personal power of the Holy Spirit. This is so important for us to understand tonight. You know, the, recently my wife went on a, a pastor's wise retreat and life was different when she was not there, when she was not present, you know, and so it's, it's not as fun when she's gone and, um, you know, she just adds spice to life. And so she comes back from the retreat and, you know, she's telling me, hey, watch out for that and, you know, whatever. She's uh, giving me advice. Uh, she's giving me love. Um, it's just a different life. When my wife is with me, when that person is with me, and I'm aware of that, and that's what the Holy Spirit is. He's with you. He's in you. Are you aware of that? And he wants to be upon you. He wants to be the one to influence you. And so it's important for us to understand the Holy Spirit. And tonight we have actually a lot, a lot to cover. And I don't even know for sure if we'll be able to finish everything. I will say this. If you don't have the notes, tonight is one of those nights. Don't leave. We'll print them for you. If you can't get them on your phone or your computer, do not leave without the notes tonight. We're even going to list all the gifts of the Holy Spirit for you so you can see you know, maybe which ones uh, you have or just how life works in that uh, when we're operating under the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so... Let's begin, first of all, over in John chapter 14. And the, and the first thing I want to mention is the fact that the, the Holy Spirit is a person. And so we see in, in John 14 the person of the Holy Spirit. And he is available tonight. If you're here and, you know, you're feeling down and depressed and discouraged and defeated by the devil, it doesn't matter if they're all together, the Holy Spirit is available for us tonight. We're going to see that. And the Holy Spirit is not an it, it's not a force, but the Holy Spirit is a person. And, and notice what we read here in John chapter 14, as Jesus is, is going to die and he's getting ready to depart and he's giving his words to his uh, disciples he says in verse 16 of John 14, And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you. For how long? Forever. And so anyone here need help? Just curious. <laughs> the Holy Spirit. God, Jesus says, I'm going to split, but I'm going to give you another. And in the Greek language, Kenneth Weiss translates it this way. And as for myself, I will ask the Father and another counselor of the same kind as I am, he will give to you in order that he might be with you forever. So what we're talking about here is the Holy Spirit coming and he's, he's just like Jesus. I mean, because we know we have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? And so... You know, this is what we're, we're talking about. Not, not an it, not a force, but the person of the Holy Spirit. You know, when you read John 14, 16, if you look over at John 16, in verse 13, it says, however, when he, notice that, that, that Greek word is important. It's a personal pronoun, he, not it, he. 
the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. And so we talked about the fact that the Holy Spirit was the one that inspired the scriptures. And so he gave them, he guided them into all truth. And then he even gave them prophecies as far as things to come. And so the Holy Spirit can be grieved. The Bible says in Ephesians 4.30, if we sin, do you guys ever feel that inside of you as a Christian where sometimes you, you sin and you blow it and you kind of feel ugly inside? You know, part of that is because the Holy Spirit is grieved inside of us. You know, it breaks his heart if we, you know, do things, say things, even think things that are not godly. And so Ephesians 4.30 says, and don't grieve the Holy Spirit. And so we have to make sure that we live a life of obedience, not disobedience. And then also the Bible talks about how we are not to quench the Spirit. And that means whatever you do, do not doubt. Don't despise the Holy Spirit. Don't think He's not available. Don't disobey because you'll grieve Him. Don't doubt because then you'll quench Him. When you're walking under the influence of the Holy Spirit, it's a completely different life. And so we have to know the person of the Holy Spirit 1 Corinthians 12.11 reveals that he has a personal will. He has a, a volition, a forces or its. They don't have that. And so, number one, the person of the Holy Spirit. Number two is the purpose of the Holy Spirit. And so, it's, it's kind of neat. And I think I mentioned to you guys already, fascinating almost, when you compare the names or the titles of the different members of the Trinity uh, we've learned already about the Father, and we talked about how amazing that was. You know, one of the things that was uh, in the quizzes that a lot of people didn't really know is just how much, when you read the Old Testament, it's not really much there about in them addressing God as Father. There is no Jewish literature outside of the Bible in which you would see a Jew addressing God as Father. And in the Old Testament, there's only 15 such occurrences. But then when you get into the New Testament, we're talking close to 200 occurrences teaching us, revealing to us, unveiling the fact that God is our Father. He's our Papa. He's our Daddy. He loves us. And we talked about the fact that you can become a child of God, uh, number one, through creation as He made you, but then regeneration and adoption. And so we talked about God the Father, we talked about God the Son, but then we get into God the Holy Spirit, and you're wondering, well, why is He called the Holy Spirit? Because basically, if you go back to eternity past, all three persons of the Godhead have always existed. If there was a time when one didn't exist, then by definition, they could not be God. And so they've always existed, and so you wonder, well, why the Father, and why the Son, and why is He called the Holy Spirit? And we talked about the fact that the Father and the Son have had that type of relationship. That's why they're called the Father and the Son. But why is the Holy Spirit called the Holy Spirit? Aren't they all holy? And isn't the Father the same in the sense that He is only Spirit? And the answer we, we, we've seen as we've gone through the Scriptures is that we believe at least part of the reason he's called the Holy Spirit 
is because his function or his purpose is to make us holy. It is his mission, so to speak, to set us apart unto God. And that's what holiness is. You know, number one, what the Holy Spirit is responsible for in in, in this mode of uh, time that we live in is salvation. Christian salvation. And that means that when you're saved, you're saved from the, the power and the penalty and eventually the presence of sin. And so that's what we're saved from. And of course, we know that all three members of the Godhead are involved in salvation but it's the current ministry of the Holy Spirit to do this. Um, as a matter of fact, here in John 16, notice what we read in verse 18. I'm sorry, verse 8. When he's talking about the Holy Spirit, verse 7 says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I depart, Jesus says, I will send him to you. And this is what he does. Verse 8, and he has come. When he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. And so the Holy Spirit's you know, purpose is salvation. And Jesus gave us three things right here. And the word convict is closely related to the word convince. And so what happens is the Holy Spirit, he convicts the world of sin. He says, hey, Manny, that's sin. Before, uh, you know, the Holy Spirit wasn't around, there was no conviction, there was a conscience, but it's a difference. And so the Holy Spirit started saying, hey, you're, you're sinning. That's not right. You need Jesus. That's all part of him saving us. And, and okay, I'm a sinner. I'm convinced now. I'm convicted now that I'm a sinner. Well, how can I be made righteous? Well, that's what the Holy Spirit tells me. And if I don't listen to that love invitation, then the Holy Spirit will reveal judgment. And what Jesus has done for us and spared us from. And so the Holy Spirit, if you read the book of Genesis chapter 24, it's an interesting story right there. I encourage you when you get a chance to go home and read it. It's all about um, Abraham uh, asking his servant to go find a bride for his son. It's a beautiful story. You don't really read much about the, the, the servant. As a matter of fact, that chapter doesn't even give his name. But when you read the chapter, it's beautiful the way that you know the servant, we believe is probably Eliezer, he goes and he finds a bride for Isaac. And the way that he you know, presents the riches and offers them to her, and then she has to make a choice for herself. That's what the Holy Spirit is doing right now. The Holy Spirit is gathering a bride for the Father's Son, Jesus. And it's just a beautiful story when you read it. You know, when we find, and and I think I mentioned to you guys before, as we were saved by the Father, as He chose us before time began. We were saved by the Son when He died for us on Calvary. And we were saved by the Holy Spirit the moment we were born again. Do you guys remember when you were born again? That that time? And sometimes we know exactly the the moment. Other times it's more of a season. But it's in, in this space and time where the Holy Spirit does that work. 
Remember, if you go back to John chapter 3, In verse 1, it says, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. And this man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these things that you do unless God is, is with him. I mean, Nicodemus comes at night, you know, he's a little bit probably concerned that he might be ostracized in associating with Jesus. And, uh, and, and he comes... And uh, but he knows there's something special about Jesus. I know he came from God. Imagine that you you run across somebody and you just know they came from God, you know. And so the Lord he sees you know this guy who's very religious. He's called the teacher of Israel. Amazing, and the Lord just cuts to the chase in verse three. Jesus answered and said to him. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You know, Nicodemus had a glimpse, but he really wasn't able to see it yet because he wasn't born again. And so Nicodemus uh, is only thinking in earthly terms. He said to him in verse 4, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and, and be born but Jesus answered, most assuredly, and in the Greek language, it says, Amen, Amen. Verily, verily, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. You see, first of all, you got to know the Holy Spirit's a person. Don't call him it, please. The Holy Spirit is a he. But then secondly, you have to know the purpose of the Holy Spirit, and that is to save. We have to be born again, born of the water and the Spirit. And I believe what that's in reference to is being born of the Word of God. Ephesians 5.25 calls the Word, the water, and the Spirit of God. And so what happens when someone preaches the gospel to you, it takes the Word of God and the Spirit of God, and they conceive a child of God. And so when you, when you see this, you, you realize that's what the Holy Spirit does. And that's why when we want someone to be saved, we pray for them. Today, my wife and I, we had to go to a meeting just to take care of some stuff. And it was really cool. We ran into a couple. And sometimes I believe you have divine appointments. Not always, you know. Um, but of course, you're always trying to love on people and be friendly to people. But this couple that, that sat with us, it was, it was just so obvious that God was giving to us a divine appointment. This guy had almost died from COVID. Uh, he was in there for, uh, I mean, like weeks. And, and so the Lord just opened up the doors and I just said, hey, man, God, God gave you a second chance at life because I have friends that didn't make it. God must have purposes for you. And, and right away, you're praying. Right away, you're praying, Holy Spirit convict him holy spirit show him show them that they need you because he is the one that that saves and so not only salvation the purpose of the holy spirit is to save us and in one sense we're set apart immediately but then secondly is sanctification 
And sanctification, it literally means to be set apart. And as Christians, immediately, like I said, we're set apart to God. But the implication of sanctification also means that we are being made more and more like God, more and more like Jesus. Now, positionally, it happens immediately, but practically, it's a lifelong process. And I wonder, you guys, be honest, are there any of you here tonight who want to be more like Jesus? I mean, isn't that our desire? I mean, in one sense, it's like almost all I want, all I want, because everything is wrapped up in that. The type of man I'll be to my wife, the type of man I'll be to my children, the type of you know, servant or son or whatever it is in life is all wrapped up on whether or not I can, Lord, somehow, some way grow so that I'm more like you. And that is the work of the Holy Spirit. And if you want that, the Lord will work in your life. But just like you were born again by the water and the Spirit, the Word of God and the Spirit of God conceiving a child of God, it's the Word of God and the Spirit of God that will conform us into the image of God. And that's why I encourage you, and I thank you, you know, for coming on a midweek service. I mean, praise God for that. Some of you guys that are watching online, praise God for that. But that's how it, it happens, man. When we are open up our heart and say, Lord, Speak to me. I'm saturating myself in the Scriptures. And as you open up your Bible, that becomes the desire of your heart. Not TV. I mean, there's a place for TV. Maybe you can watch it a little bit here and there. Not social media. Not your phones. Not all the crazy things the world is throwing your way to try to consume your time. But when you have that desire, I, I want to be like the Lord. The Spirit of God will do that work. Watch, turn to 2 Corinthians. And I know you guys, there's a lot of passages we can turn to. But I like this passage because in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, notice what it says in, in verse 18. And we could read the whole thing, and, it, it, and there's so much here. But he says in 2 Corinthians 3.18, For we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as by the Spirit of the Lord. And so with Christians, the way it is, it's not like Moses who went in with a veil over his face. We go in unveiled, and when we open up that Bible, guess who we're looking at? Jesus. And that's what he says right here. And as we're looking at Jesus, we are becoming, it's going from glory to glory. What that means is you're growing a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more until eventually the Holy Spirit, it says, he makes us into his image. You know, there's other passages that you can look at. 2 Thessalonians 2.13, 1 Peter 1.2. But they just talk about the progressive uh, way that God works more and more love more and more like the Lord. And so when you're considering the Holy Spirit, 
Number one, remember he is a person, not an it, not a force. Uh, remember, secondly, that the Holy Spirit is the one that is involved with our, in the, the purpose of the Holy Spirit is salvation and sanctification. And then the next thing I think it's important for us to know are the prepositions that we connect with the Holy Spirit. And that is the prepositions with, in, and upon. And I know a lot of you guys know this. And so, you know, uh, I would say that's really cool. Um, but there's a lot of people who don't know this. And I want you guys to know this like the back of your hands. Uh, I want you to know this like, like this inside and out. You know, first of all, that the Holy Spirit is, is with us prior to salvation. If you go back to John 14... In John 14, a lot of these passages we're going to read you know, repeatedly, but notice what he says in verse 16, And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. John 14, now it's verse 17. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither knows him, but you know him, for he dwells, notice, with you, and will be in you. And so the, the Lord here gives us two prepositions. It's different words in the Greek as well, para and in. But he says, first of all, that the Holy Spirit was with them. And we talked about the fact that the Holy Spirit, he comes alongside and he says, hey, you know, and he tells us that I'm a sinner. He tells me that Jesus is the one that can make me righteous. And he tells me that if I don't repent, that there is judgment to come. And so that's what the Holy Spirit does. He's drawing mankind to the Lord. And so we have to open our hearts and respond to the gospel. You know, there, there are some out there who say, well, if God draws people, that it's irresistible grace. But Acts chapter 7, verse 51, it says that people can resist the Holy Spirit. And so first thing is the Holy Spirit comes and he's with them. Uh, second is the Holy Spirit then lives in them. When an individual becomes a Christian, the moment you're saved, the moment you're saved, the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of you. Watch, look at John chapter 20. In verse 21. So Jesus said to them again, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. And so you guys remember, back in the book of Genesis, when God made man, he breathed life into them. Well, this is what he's doing spiritually now, as now it's a new covenant, and he actually allows the Holy Spirit to live inside of them you know first corinthians chapter 3 and verse 16 is a familiar passage it says do you not know that you are the temple of god and that the spirit of god dwells in you the spirit of god think about it you guys if you're a christian the holy spirit 
lives inside of you. You know, later on in 1 Corinthians 6, 19, he says something similar, but in that passage, it's a different meaning. What he says there is the Holy Spirit lives in the congregation. He lives like amongst us. And, and, and when we gather together as a church, it's like the temple of God. The building is not the temple. The people are individually and as a congregation. And so I don't know if that excites you or not, uh, but to think that the God of the universe lives inside of me. See, first he's with you prior to salvation, you know, trying to get you saved. And then when you do get saved, he comes inside of you. But it doesn't end there. Watch, if you go back to Luke chapter 24, And this is after Jesus has breathed on them and he's about to depart. We read in in Luke 24, in verse 49, he says, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. And so this is the promise of the Father. He's telling him, hey, don't go anywhere. Don't do anything. I want you guys to go and I want you to wait in Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. But notice again, this is a different preposition. Behold, I send the promise of the Holy Spirit upon you. Upon you. So you have the different Greek words. You have uh, para, that means with. You have en, that means in. And now you have this Greek word epi, and it means upon. And so you go over to the book of Acts, chapter 8, I mean chapter 1. And this is when Jesus actually did ascend into heaven. This is what Jesus says there in Acts chapter 1. Notice what it says in verse 8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. See, that's why sometimes you get some Christians and, and I don't, you, sometimes you don't, you're not really sure whether or not they're saved. And, they, and they, a lot of times they are, but they're immature and they walk, sometimes Paul, writing to the Corinthians, he said, you guys are carnal. I, I wanted to share some other things with you, but, but you're not spiritual. Because what can happen is you can get saved, but not sanctified, not surrendered, not walking in the Holy Spirit the way that we should. And, and so the Lord says, don't go and do all that other stuff yet. Don't go do good ministry, you know, preaching, teaching. Don't do anything until you are endued with power from on high. And this is the third preposition. You know, maybe that's you tonight. Again, I, I, I always, you know, every day I wake up in the morning. I ask God for forgiveness. We have, you know, our talk. And I always ask him to empty me of myself and fill me with this Holy Spirit. Because what happens is the first time it happens, maybe you've never had it happen to you, 
It's called being baptized with the Holy Spirit. Baptized with the Holy Spirit. But then subsequent to that, you are then filled with the Holy Spirit. And you read that in the book of Acts. And so this is what the church needs. This is why so much of the church is not holy. I mean, they just don't seem to be representing Christ the way that we should. It's because of the fact that we are not experiencing this third preposition of the Holy Spirit, and that is when He's upon us. You know, as a believer, we are initially baptized with the Holy Spirit, but then He's available to fill us. Remember that passage? I always quote it to you guys in Ephesians 5.18, and don't be drunk with wine in which is a wasted life, but be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. For those of you guys who used to drink, it made you act different. It was was different. When you were under the influence of, 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 uh, of alcohol, when you're under the influence of drugs, it, it acts, you act different. When you're under the influence of the Holy Spirit, you're different. And this is why it's so important. I don't want it to just be me. I don't want, I know what I can do. I know the way I fail. I want it to be the Lord. And so, if you're taking notes, I'll just give you a, a few passages. Acts chapter 2, verse 4. Acts chapter 4, verse 8. And Acts chapter 4, verse 31. And Acts chapter 9, verse 17. And Acts chapter 13, verse 9. And Acts chapter 13, verse 52. And all those are passages where they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And again, filled with the Holy Spirit. And again, filled with the Holy Spirit. And again, under the influence of the Holy Spirit, because there's no way that God is going to move unless we're filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, not just to be a pastor, not just to be an evangelist or a prophet, but to be a husband, to be a wife, to be a parent, to be a, a servant in any way. We can't do this on our own strength. Even Jesus himself was baptized with the Holy Spirit. Remember? Watch, if you go back to to Matthew chapter 3, and this is in all four Gospels. But in Matthew chapter 3, it says in verse 16, when he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water And behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. I mean, even the Lord needed the power of the Holy Spirit. We read the same thing in chapter Luke, chapter Luke, verse four, uh, chapter four, verse eighteen, in which he says, "The Spirit of the Lord has anointed me." And so understand how important this is as the Holy Spirit is here willing to baptize us, willing to fill us. And we'll talk about how, if you go to Luke, notice what we read there in Luke chapter 11. Because, you know, as we're getting ready for tonight and the day can go the night can go by so fast. 
the Lord really convicted me and he said, Manny, make sure that you don't just do like some theological, academic study about the Holy Spirit. You have to make sure that your heart is that we would receive the power of the Holy Spirit tonight. We need him. In one sense, yeah, it is. Lord, how much of you do I have? But in another sense, is how much of me does he have? Does he have all of us? Does he have my mind, my heart, every day, every moment, every thought, every word? We can't grieve the Holy Spirit and expect him to move. We need him. We need the Holy Spirit. And you're like, well, how, Manny? How, how can you know, we, we get the Holy Spirit? And you know what? I want to say this. Like, before you're saved, you have to be convinced that you're a sinner headed for hell. You have to be convinced that you're a sinner in need of a Savior. But I will say this. Even as a Christian, you, we need to be convinced of kind of like the same thing, that we are sinners in need of the Spirit. We have to be desperate. You can do a study like this, and some people will come and go, and they're the same. Nothing happens. Nothing happens when they, because let me tell you something. It's not just something that's from me. This is between you and God. You can come in tonight, and you can have an experience with God if you want to. It's not, you know, the church. It's not the pastor. It's you. It's us individually. Do you want the personal power of the Holy Spirit? Do you understand? Do we understand how desperately we need Him? How? Well, then how? It's the same way you got saved. When you prayed, a simple prayer, a simple faith in Jesus is what saves you. And a simple faith in what we're sharing tonight is what will give you the baptism and filling of the Holy Spirit. Look what it says here in Luke chapter 11, in verse 9. Jesus said, so I, I say to you, because he's talking about how God answers prayer. I, I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. Just talking about answered prayer. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks, here's the promise, finds, and to him who knocks, it will be open. Now, when you're knocking on doors from a spiritual perspective, that means ministry opportunities. And, and when you're seeking in, in a spiritual um, context, we're seeking God. So you want opportunities for ministry? Just knock on those doors. Watch how they'll open. You want to find God? Then you seek, and he says, I promise you, you'll find me. But, but what's he talking about asking? What, what do you mean asking? In the Greek language, it's in the present tense, which means it's a continuous uh, action. So keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on finding is what he literally says. And so notice what he says in verse 11. If a son asks for bread... 
from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Of course not, right? It's a rhetorical question. Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? Of course not. He says, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? That's how. Holy Spirit. And we we were singing it. Naomi and Ali were singing it. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Welcome in my heart. Lord, I need you. And he says, if you pray that prayer, just like a child would pray a prayer to his parent, I give a request. God says, I'll give the Holy Spirit. And that's how. But it has to be sincere. That's all simple, but sincere. Because you're understanding now what we're talking about. The with, the in, and then the upon. And that's what happened in Acts chapter 2. The Holy Spirit came, the rushing mighty wind, tongues of fire, and he came upon them. And now we don't need a repetition of Pentecost, but we need an appropriation of Pentecost. This will change your life. This will keep you from backsliding. This will keep you into whatever it is the ministry God's called you to. And so tonight, as we look at these different words, first the person of the Holy Spirit, not a knit, not a force, but the person, and then the purpose of the Holy Spirit, which is salvation and sanctification, and then the prepositions of the Holy Spirit, which is with, in, and upon, we move next to the presence of the Holy Spirit. And by that, I mean the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 7, if you would. And so the the gifts of the Holy Spirit, um, supernatural gifts, we're all born with natural talents that we can offer to God, right? Some of you guys are good athletes, uh, from what I understand. I don't know yet, I'm just kind of going ahead of myself, but Aaron Judge, this guy just got done hitting 62 home runs, right? I mean, as far as I'm concerned, he's a home run king because he's clean, he's not a cheater as far as we know, right? And so, um, and my wife's all happy because he's a Yankee and she's a Yankee fan, even though I'm a Dodger fan, but I still love her. Anyways, um, you know, but, you know, I, I don't know. He just, he, he thanked God. He gave God the glory. And so maybe he's an, an athlete that is a believer and he's been given a talent and, and, and he's given it, you know, to God. He's cultivated that. So we all have natural talents. You guys can discover them yourself. But, but as far as the, the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, it was kind of like this. You're born with natural talents and you're born again with spiritual gifts. And we all have them. Look what it says here in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Let me get there real quick. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Paul is uh, kind of talking about the reason he is single at this phase of his life. And he says in verse 7, But I, I wish that all men were even as myself, but each one has his own gift from God, one in this manner and another in that. 
And so not everybody has the gift of singleness. Amen. Some of you guys, maybe you do. Paul says, I wish you guys were all like me, but it's a gift. Everybody has their own gifts in different ways. Romans 12, 6, it says, Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. And then in 1 Peter 4, I want you guys to see this, if you would turn there, because this is uh, uh, the clear, clearest probably of them all, even though they're all clear. Um, notice what we read in 1 Peter chapter 4. In verse 10, as each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. And so every Christian has at least one gift. So the big question is, what are your gifts and are you exercising them? So you discover them then you develop them, and then you deploy them. And if you guys have the handout, we have a list here of 22 gifts of the Holy Spirit. I've taken from 1 Corinthians 12 and and Romans chapter 12, Ephesians chapter 4. um, And and they're all there explicitly. And I'll tell you this, this church was born through supernatural gifts through words of wisdom that were spoken to me through other people, prophetic words that were given to me through other people, miracles, healings. I mean, we're talking about, you know, these gifts. Uh, unfortunately, we live in a time where some Christians say they're not for today. They're called cessationists. Um, they're wrong. The gifts are for today. And so I want to encourage you guys to look at these passages and, 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 you know, whatever your gifts are, maybe you feel like, well, Calvary Chapel, they don't really use the gifts of the Spirit. Well, um, we should. You don't have to wait for an afterglow. Whatever the gifts are, whatever your gift is, I pray that you would exercise those gifts. You know, so we don't have a lot of time. I do encourage you guys to read through this couple of things and then we'll we'll finish up here you know when it comes to these gifts i pray you would know it's a a privilege to exercise them for the people and if you want to write down luke 19 12 through 27 there's a heavy warning there for people who did not exercise their gifts they just buried them oh i was afraid i was afraid And God said, you wicked and lazy servant. You should have known that one day you'd give an account. I've given you those gifts so that you can use them for my glory and the good of my people. And so find out what those gifts are. You know, a couple of things in closing, the the productivity of the Holy Spirit is over in the book of Galatians chapter 5, a passage I know that many of you are familiar with. Galatians chapter 5. And notice what we read in verse 16. Galatians 5 in verse 16. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And so, I don't know, 
like, I don't want to oversimplify it, but like, you know, you wake up in the morning and you put your shoes on, right? I mean, what, what shoes are you going to wear? So you're walking around the house and you wear your chanclas. No big deal, right? Or maybe you wear them all the time. I'm not sure, but you know what I'm saying? You kind of choose the shoes. Well, in one sense, it's almost like we have to wake up every morning and say, Lord, I'm going to walk in dependence upon you. If you walk in the Spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. And so, you know, he goes on to talk about the fruit of the Spirit in verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is, is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I mean, this is not all of the fruits, but this is definitely something to look at and to ask yourself, is this me yielding to the Holy Spirit? Because a fruit is not something you make in a wood shop. A fruit is something that, you know, you, you planted that seed and you watered that seed and it's just supernaturally happening. The way that you can tell if someone is really under the influence of the Holy Spirit is not, you know, the craziness and the chaos and the charismania that we often see out there. The real evidence of the Holy Spirit is love. Love. And we have to understand this. You know, we have to make sure that we bear fruit. The fruit reveals the root. Right? And it's the reality for all Christians. We have this inner witness. Romans 8.16 says, the Spirit bears witness that we're Christians. And we also have an outward witness. And then people can look at us and they can say, yes, you know what? It's evident. They love Jesus. And so we have to make sure we bear fruit. John the Baptist said in Luke 3.8-9, you therefore bear fruits worthy of repentance. In other words, Bear fruits that show you've truly repented. And do not begin to say to yourselves, well, we have Abraham as our father. Don't begin to say to yourselves, well, I you know, prayed the prayer and I go to church. My parents are Christians. No, he says, don't do that. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. Just because you're Jewish, you know, John's saying doesn't mean you're saved. And even now, he said, the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. See, judgment is coming. And just in case you didn't know, it begins in the house of the Lord. And so, I, I mean, this strikes a holy fear into my life. Uh, is my life lining up with God's word? Because if not, maybe that fruit, the evidence, is proving you're not really a Christian. Remember what we've talked about, that uh, a faith that doesn't change my behavior will never change my destiny. And so there has to be the productivity of the Holy Spirit. And then the last thing, I want to just tell you guys the scriptures. When you read through the Bible, it's kind of cool. There's different... Uh, pictures of the holy spirit uh, luke 24 49 uh, there he's talking about being clothed uh, with the holy spirit so the first one is clothing the second one is the holy spirit is like a dove and and you're like well why a dove well first of all he comes from heaven secondly he's pure but thirdly he's sensitive 
And so just to know the pictures, I think, is helpful. Matthew 3.16, Mark 1.10. Acts chapter 2 says when the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost, he came as fire. Fire. You ever heard that phrase, hey, that guy's on fire, right? That, that means that he's under the influence of the Holy Spirit. That's what happens. Uh, in Zechariah chapter 4, the Holy Spirit is symbolized as oil. Oil. Now, that's really interesting because the oil, when you even read it in the Old Testament, and, you know, I have uh, some oil I always carry with me in my pocket right here, right? And you're like, well, why does he have oil? Well, because when people come up and they ask for prayer, we'll, we'll anoint them with oil. It's, it's Old Testament, New Testament. It's symbolic of the Holy Spirit, right? And that oil, when you read the Old Testament, they were supposed to bring the oil to the tabernacle, and they were supposed to bring the oil to the temple. That oil was there. It was kind of like their labor of love for us. It's really connected in the Garden of Gethsemane, the olive press where Jesus prayed. In other words, you're going to get that anointing when there's a prayer light. And that's why I've been sharing with you guys, if we can, as a church, really pray the way that we should, it's almost like in the Old Testament when they were all bringing the, the olive oil to the tabernacle and the temple, and that anointing was there to light the candelabra, to light you know, the, 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 the holy place. So the Holy Spirit is all these, and there's more. Water, John chapter 7, 37 through 38, he says, if you, you know, believe in me, out of your heart will flow torrents of, of living water, cleansing, beautiful water. And then the one that's probably most common in the Old Testament, anybody know what it is? It, it, it's, it's, uh, it's the big one because in the Greek language, the word pneuma can be translated spirit, but can also be translated wind and in Acts chapter 2 you guys remember what happened the rushing mighty wind came and that's the symbol of the Holy Spirit it's a beautiful thing you know that that wind is powerful you know I was thinking even about these hurricanes uh, praying for those in Florida uh, that went through this hurricane Ian uh, I guess it was Winds of 150 miles per hour. Um, over 100 people have been killed. I mean, we're talking about 700,000 without water, 400,000 still without power. Just the power, the power of the wind. And that is what's available to us. There's a song by Keith Green. He says, rushing wind blow through this temple, blowing out the dust within. Come and breathe your breath upon me because I've been born again. You know, as we close tonight, um, if you have not yet received the baptism of the Holy Spirit or, or you maybe it's something's going on, you feel a little dry, tonight is a night. I'm not going to make you guys come up here per se. You can do it just right where you're at. You and the Lord, just like a child, and God will meet you here. And so, Lord, I thank you for just allowing us, Lord, to study about the personal power of the Holy Spirit and just asking, God, that you would fill us. 
It's not something that we can manufacture. It's not something that any man can do. Lord, when you came into my life, because I know sometimes it happens simultaneous to salvation, but usually subsequent. But Lord, when you came into my life, you took over. You just took over. And so Lord, I pray for these beautiful people that you love, that you love. I pray, Lord, I beg, I beg of you, Lord, that we wouldn't walk around like half-hearted Christians. Some are even like, like zombies. No. Lord, let there be that fire. Let there be that power. Let there be that rushing, mighty wind to fall upon us. And so, Lord, we open up our hearts. And I pray, Lord, that you would touch, you would fill, you would save, you would change, and you would even give us a, more of a hunger and thirst for righteousness. And so if you're here tonight and you want more of the Holy Spirit. I just want to I want to lead you in a prayer. And, and there's no magic prayer, but just pray something like this from your heart. Just say, "Dear Lord, I I need you. I want the fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. Lord, fall upon me as tonight. I don't want to leave the same way that I came. Lord, you promised, you said in your word that if we ask for the Holy Spirit, then you would give us the Holy Spirit. And so, Lord, I ask tonight for you to make me different, come into my life and take over. Lord, and I pray for anyone here who said anything like that, Lord, and you see the hearts May you please bless them tonight. Just like we saw, Lord, we've seen in the book of Acts where the Holy Spirit just fell. The Holy Spirit just fell on all those that in Cornelius' house. And I don't know if we're going to see people speaking in tongues. It doesn't have to be that way. It could be love. It could be chains that are broken. It could be a new desire for the things of God. It could be deeper ministry. But I don't know. In my life, making me a better husband, dad, servant, son, everything. But we love you, Lord. We thank you. And we pray these things. Jesus Christ.